Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Hello and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey Sarah. <laughs> I always feel like I'm starting it like that. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like a movie classic history that we're coming in on a oh. on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the little sound waves on my recording there have just gone absolutely nuts. <laughs> has it has it gotten to the red zone? I think it might have done. <laughs> nice. So we're starting off in the red zone that means that we're gonna have a good podcast yeah that's always a good sign always a good sign <laughs> so how are you how is freedom how nice oh does it taste my gosh how nice does it taste I was this morning thinking, oh, I think it's been about two or three weeks since I got out of quarantine. I thought, no, it's been <laughs> it's been six days. It's been six days. And I feel like I've done all the things already. So um, my first day off of quarantine, I did a big paddle in Lake Ontario. And then I just took my car and then I just drove around and did all the spots, went to my favorite consignment store and bought a few um, secondhand shirts, which is kind of my favorite thing to do. I had some, a Greek gyro, I had a, a really spicy ramen bowl. So I kind of did all the things and I've been paddling a few times and working, I'm seeing patients. So I'm kind of loving life. It's awesome. Great. Yeah. Uh, so freedom does taste good by the sounds of it. Oh my God, it's a beautiful taste. Yeah. There's nothing like a bit of being locked indoors for two weeks to make you um, appreciative of getting outside. Yeah. Although I do find I'm on my bum a lot inside still too. It's amazing how quickly I kind of forgot that I've got keys to the outdoors now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what did it feel like when you stepped foot outside? Did it feel a bit naughty like you shouldn't be doing it? <laughs> Oh, yes. I had my mask on and I was like, oh, you know, I was still trying to avoid people with this kind of guilt. I felt very guilty to be out, funny enough, because there's something about being in quarantine that makes you feel like a bit of a social pariah, <laughs> like you've done something bad. <laughs> so it was hard to kick that for sure. Yeah. Yep. I did feel like, is the government of Canada watching me? But I did come out on time, so I didn't leave early, which is great. Good. So how's your week been? Yeah, the week's been it's gone by really quick actually it's been very busy quite a few late nights just trying to work through some stuff that needed to be delivered so yeah I was really grateful for a quiet chilled weekend to just recharge my batteries but I feel a lot better now which is great yeah and as you were telling me you've had a really productive start to Monday yes yeah well productive productive in the sense of I suppose recharging your batteries it's it's funny, isn't it? Because you say the word productive and I think, oh, that must mean that I've done loads of things and I haven't. Mm. But actually that I've done what I needed to do, which was just to recharge and have some clear brain space that didn't involve any thinking or doing. Mm. So, yeah, I've been productive about me. <laughs> mm. Gosh, that's poetic. That's really beautiful. I think about if your computer starts to slow down and you realize that it's because you're low on disk space and you go in and you do like a disk cleanup yeah so it sounds like you did that this weekend yes I did yeah it was um much needed so as a busy mom and full-time work as well as a coaching business yeah. and a lovely partner to a lovely man how do you avoid filling stuff 
on your weekends, like filling in the weekend with make work projects? How do you keep the space for yourself? I think I just do now, like I naturally just try and leave the weekends free for things that just come up or to see how I Mm. feel or what I want to do. I don't do it every week, Mm. but I try to do it at least once or twice a month just to have some total quiet time where I can just sometimes the best thing to do is just to get up and not have any plans and just see how you feel and what you want to do like that is so Mm -hmm. liberating to be able to say right okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a deep breath I'm gonna trust inside that something will come that's gonna make me happy today and I'll get a message that tells me what to do (laughs) yeah the uh, divine download yeah I think that requires saying no to stuff though I imagine there's a lot of invitations that come your way that you have to actually really lean into the word no yeah I think you just have to do the things that make you happy and yeah say no to the things that you're not as interested in Mm -hmm. I think we're going to touch on some of this actually in the well in in one sense in the hot topic I love it I love the taster (laughs) and what's funny is I'm glad that this is coming on and I don't know if this is a recent quote but Helen Mirren has been quoted as saying At the age of 70, the one thing that I wish I knew as a younger self is to use the words fuck off a lot more frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear listener. So that's where we're starting off. And I think that'll come up in our hot topic a little Mm, bit. Yeah. So not to stress the peaceful Zen within, but I'm wondering what is going on in the world in relationship? Oh, yes. So... Relationship International News Correspondent has Sarah checking in. Surprise, surprise, some um, some research for you this week. Oh, no, lovely. <laughs> so they're still active in COVID. This is wonderful. To be fair, I think this might be old research, but I think it's still very relevant. So I um, came across a TED Talk this week, which was by um, Susan Pinker, if anybody wants to go and Google it. She did this TED Talk back in 2007. But I do believe that the research and the findings are still quite relevant. And I think that there's been further studies that have done that have borne out the same results and information. So her study was about um, the things that help you live longer. Hmm. Now, when you think about the things that help you live longer, what do you automatically think of? So as a doctor, I think of good health, keeping your blood pressure low, avoiding salt, exercise and diet. Yeah. So those things did come up, but they weren't very high on the chart of things that keep you living longer Hmm. so giving up alcohol and quitting smoking they were quite high but there were two things that were even higher than those what were they so the next highest thing was the quality of relationships oh even more than stopping smoking (laughs) yes oh my gosh okay yeah and and giving up alcohol Oh my so you can, gosh. <laughs> I want to say you can drink and smoke as long as you've got really good friends, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to tell us we're not allowed to do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. This research sounds pretty compelling. <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> so it was I may change of... my tune, actually. Just be like, <laughs> keep drinking just as long as you're with friends in the bar. Yeah, you may also get fired as a doctor, but I mind. <laughs> <laughs> And I get struck off <laughs> for some ropey oh medical advice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they said that having really close relationships was the next longest bar in terms of influence on how long you're going to live. 
So really kind of having those close connections and what they said by the close relationships were people who you could really like rely on. So you trusted mm. them, you confided in them, you were, they, were, they were your go-to people, you know, if you were suddenly found yourself homeless or in a drastic situation, they would be the closest people that you would turn to. Mm. And then the next, the top of the list in terms of things that keep you living longer were social interactions, but it didn't necessarily have to be social interactions with people that you knew. So it could just be saying good morning to the postman or having a conversation with a guy in your corner shop or the guy at the coffee bar that you buy your coffee from every day. Mm. And they said what was really important was the face-to-face eye contact that you have with people. So she was asked a question about whether um, digital, obviously because a lot of us, and this is quite topical with the last six, nine, whatever months we're into (laughs) now, like I feel like it's, I don't know no idea what time exists anymore this time warp yeah so whatever this time period is that this pandemic that's apparently going to last for the next two or three years (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'll just wipe out like the second half of my 40s really i was gonna say (laughs) and we're not being dramatic not at all (laughs) no not at all like yeah this is why i don't read the news groundhog day yeah completely so she asked about she was asked about whether digital connection and she said the the research was still quite new and and obviously that's probably moved along in the last Mm. kind of few years since she did her talk but what she did say was video contact was still a close second but you had to remember to look into the camera I'm now staring into the zoom camera Anna to try and make eye contact is that really weird when I do that (laughs) (laughs) wow like I felt a really intense eye contact there from you Sarah that's wonderful So um, it was quite a weird face, though, to be fair. It was a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So they're the top two things. So having, building those close relationships, Mm. those close connections, and we talk about all the time, particularly with significant others, but we also talk about kind of those friendships and how they're really important. And she said you want to have kind of at least two or three as a minimum of those close built relationships and connections. And then the other thing was just around interaction. And Anna and I were just chatting before we came on and before we started recording about how because of the changes that have happened, I think I'm just going to refer to it as the changes now, Anna. The changes. (laughs) Because of the changes, a lot of us aren't actually leaving our house as much. Like I can go for days where I've not physically left the house. And the closest I get to saying hello is if I pop to pick something up in the car and there's somebody in the street and I say hello to them. Mm So I think it is really trying to, um, even if we obviously got to follow whatever the local rules are in your area, but even just getting out for a walk and passing somebody on the street is still counts as a social interaction mm-hmm. and will boost your longevity on this planet. Oh my gosh, keep you alive for longer. Yeah. That's really cool. They're the words, yeah. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> longevity on the planet. I love okay. longevity on the planet. That's actually, that sounds it's like, how do I describe this? I don't really want to say keep you alive because that just sounds a bit, that sounds a bit drastic. It sounds a bit ICU. It sounds a little bit yeah. <laughs> like yeah, tubes like and so we're going to get, get the paddles out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I've watched a lot of medical dramas. I'm pretty qualified. <laughs> and clear. <laughs> yeah. I think that keeping somebody alive is actually far inferior to keeping longevity on this planet because longevity means not just alive, but happy, like good quality of life. Yeah. I think that's really profound stuff. One of the things I just want to quickly say is, does anybody notice that when they're on a Zoom call, they're looking at how they look? They're looking at their own camera because they're, you know, (laughs) saying, oh, you look really terrible today. Or like, oh, you would make weird, you know, do you ever find that you're distracted by your own image on a Zoom call? 
Is that just me? Yeah, totally all the time. <laughs> no, no, I went on one the other day and I went, oh, what's going on with my hair? <laughs> exactly. And do you find you're watching yourself like like subtitles? If there's subtitles on a movie, you're going to be watching the subtitles, <laughs> not listening. And I find I sometimes want to get my own face out of a, a video chat because I'm distracted and I'm not making eye contact with the person I'm talking to. We can do that. You can set it so you can only see the person that's speaking. I think we should do that. Because if eye contact with the other person is essential to longevity, then we have to stop like looking at our own mug, for God's sakes. No, but it's not just looking at the screen, though. It's looking directly at the camera like that. So I have to look directly at the camera. Oh, I see. Oh. But that feels really weird if I'm just looking at that dot on the top of my computer. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now I understand. That's very creepy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when I'm looking like that. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So yeah, so that that's what I brought for you this week. And that has so many layers and so much, um, I think it's so relevant. The other thing that comes to mind is remember that old adage that you only need, the friends that you really need can be counted on your one hand, right? Yes. And that's what it sounds like is the problem is we are focused on trying to get thousands of friends and thousands of likes. Yeah. But really what we need for our own health and longevity is a couple of good mates. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that we're throwing that out, trying to sort of cast our net wider and having much more shallow in encounters. So I think that there's a lot of disease that social social media and networking has brought us. But that in particular, I think, erosion of those good friendships. Do you think it's just from social media, though? Is it not from like when you were at school and you wanted to be part of the popular Mm. group and the popular group was full of like, you know, hundreds of people. And Mm. if you weren't in the popular group, then you weren't popular and you didn't really feel like you fitted in. I think a lot of it stems from that childhood school days. And I don't think we've kind of moved on from that. Yeah. And I'll say that that mentality has then now gone onto social media where we, where our presence can be artificially amplified. So that same wanting to fit in is now multiplied by millions of people that are, in theory, accessible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Totally. But I'm I'm with you, though. I'm a big believer of having a close circle of friends who are solely kind of your people, they're who you're connected with, and you put your energy and your effort into maintaining those relationships. Because as we remember from the relationship news a few Mm. weeks ago, that was all about actually how quickly that friendship can disappear if you haven't got that connection and you're not putting the time in three months yeah yeah it takes three months there's a friend that I have in particular in Vancouver and and we grew up together and she's a new mom and we check in and it's so funny how I I mean just knowing that she's on that side of the planet and that if I'm having a really bad day or if I've got a relationship snafu or um, or if I've got wonderful news to share that I can always ping her and she's always there for me I'm so grateful for that relationship honestly yeah and I I can count on less than my hand those relationships and it's beautiful yeah so I think we've encouraged our listeners to go in and lean into very close relationship and maybe we need a little bit of a top up of that advice because we're all getting really freaking sick of of lockdown and this whole thing and I think we're just kind of getting sick of everything in general yeah so lean into friendship guys yeah and just also say hello to people on the street Mm, with eye contact random people yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) little wave smile yeah (laughs) smile and wave smile and wave (laughs) something um there's a lot of protest about masks right Uh, about wearing masks like Mm. it's an infringement upon freedom what's interesting is that 
I think that there's a cultural difference between folks in the West where when we use emojis, it's all about the oral expression. So our emojis are either smiling, mm. laughing, uh, sad. Whereas if you look at emojis uh, in Southeast Asian culture, the emojis have to do with the eye expressions. Right. So what's funny is that we should not be too worried if we can't see our mouths because eye contact and our eye expressions, our visual expression is probably more important. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because they do say that eyes are the windows of the soul. Mm. But one thing I struggle with is if I can't see your lips moving, like I'm not, I definitely do not think that I've got any hearing impairment, but I, I know that I do connect the two mm. um, as part of listening to what's going on. Sometimes if my, the kids do it, they'll have their hands over their mouths when they're talking. I'm like, you need to put that down. I can't hear what you're saying. Mm. So there is, you know, sometimes you can have that connection, can't you? So... Oh, that's very nice, actually. Yeah. And I like to see somebody's full face. That's true. Do you not? I mean, honestly, I do. I think I'm trying to take an optimistic bent in our pandemic <laughs> and just say, <laughs> masks are okay. But it is hard. You're right. And actually, that I, I like that because I think what you're telling me is that you're, you're such an active listener that you're taking the visual cues as well as the auditory cues. Yeah. And everything is important for you to be deeply listening to somebody. It is, yeah. This coronavirus has really gotten, it's really cramped our style, I'm telling you. Oh, it has. And it also upsets, upsets me when I meet somebody and I can't shake their hand. You know, like oh, if you yeah. go into a meeting or it's just not natural. That's true. Anyway. Group therapy for all of us. I think we all, <laughs> I think all 7 point billion people of us just need some good therapy for what we've been going through. Yes. Because we've been deprived of a lot of things that bring relationship together. Yeah sensory deprivation it's sensory deprivation exactly yeah it's not human so we're going to try to get you through guys okay i think we need to lift it up i feel like we've got yeah. <laughs> we've sunk into a pandemic depression there Anna. <laughs> and that's okay that's where we honestly are it's okay to reflect yeah. our true feelings it is it is i get a little bit of therapy after every podcast or during every podcast so i'm very <laughs> thankful for that <laughs> but yes let's let's take it away to a new realm <laughs> okay let's have a look at the hot topic oh yeah i'm ready <laughs> going to like this one Anna. So this week we're going to talk about sex and FOMO. Oh my god you know my number Sarah. <laughs> That's so awesome. So let's just be really clear for everybody. So FOMO which is a phrase that was coined I think in 2013 and at the Oxford English Dictionary is fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, sex and fear of missing out. Oh, ho, oh, ho. So, we live in such a vibrant sexual media culture. And I don't know about you, but as I turn on anything on Netflix or if I go outside and advertising, it really does make me think that everybody is shagging all the time. <laughs> and I think that me, and I'm not alone, a lot of our clients as well, is we just really feel that we're not enough. We're not measuring up. There's something wrong with us. We're not having as much fun as everyone else out there. Yeah. I think um, sex causes quite a lot of pressure in relationships. So from a coaching client point of view, we know that that is something that causes a lot of pressure within within relationships. Mm. And 
it kind of creates this comparison to others. Like mm-hmm. um, you see all the time, don't you, with articles, like how often is, is a healthy time to be having sex every week or every month? Like how many times should you be doing mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah and you know that people write those articles because people are interested in it and people want to compare they want to know well what's my number and how does my number compare to your number Mm -hmm. and then also around you see a lot more now I think people are a lot more open and explicit maybe about some of the different activities they might get up to in the bedroom and um, you know we've had books and movies that have then kind of created this whole new awareness or intrigue around kind of what else you might get up to and so I think that kind of plays part of it as well so it's not just how often am I doing it it's how am I doing it am I doing it the right way am I doing it well does you know (laughs) what is my part I think there's like a whole host of stuff that comes up isn't there Sarah were you talking about 50 shades of gray (laughs) maybe yeah (laughs) I have to say I didn't read the books but I did go and watch the movies and I like a movie that's got quite a big budget mm. um, and it can be shot really well. And um, and I did I did think it was shot quite well. And it's quite an intriguing story, right? Mm. Especially around the power play between both of them. Mm. And you see that power shift in the movies, but also across the trilogy of the movies. Mm-hmm. Now I'm admitting that I've seen all three. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. But yeah, that's so true. And then, you know, one of the power tools was this was it the red room what's the what was the like yeah the red yeah room. Yeah, yeah the the snm room and all the tools yeah. and gadgets and so forth that i think is intimidating to a lot of us to think that yeah. you know everybody else has all these like fancy sex toys from the stores that have like opaque windows yeah but what's equally as interesting though is when that book came out a lot of people wouldn't read it on public transport <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. because they didn't want people to know they were reading yeah. it <laughs> So it's kind of like, so we've got this thing where we're kind of saying, well, we don't want to be missing out, but we also don't want to tell people what we're doing (laughs) in case they think we're a bit weird. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if there was a never was I ever or never have I ever drinking game, I'd like to take a drink to, you know, I've been chained up to a, you know, whatever sort of contraption. Is this you confessing now, Anna? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Actually, to be honest, I've never been chained up to anything. (laughs) See, there you go. I'm going to admit to you guys, my life is actually quite vanilla. (laughs) I've never been chained up to things. I think I own a pair of handcuffs, but I don't think we've used them more than once. Who knew you could get confession time so early in the morning oh in Canada? Oh my gosh, I think, you know, I've just passed 9am and it's it's time for both a martini as well as some deep confessions. Sarah, you bring it out in me. This is a safe space, so it's just my confessions flow. It is flow. a safe space. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, no, I think that we face a lot of folks who are struggling that they don't even think about their desire or their sexual no. needs. They think... All they want to know is, am I measuring up to other people? So we've disconnected from our deep intuition about our own bodies, our relationships, our connection with other people, and we're just looking around at the others. So FOMO is, there's countless articles. In fact, actually, before our podcast, I kind of looked up a few articles and uh, just a dime a dozen reassuring people. Interestingly, they published in 2017 in the Journal of Some Sexual Medicine Journal, that the average person has sex 54 times a year. That doesn't really change if you're married. And that works out to once a week. I believe we're not having as much sex as once a week. I don't think we're doing it that often. What do you think? I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, it's irrelevant, isn't it? What the number is? Yes. Because, you know, my answer would be, 
it doesn't matter what the number is. And going back to that external versus internal, I would say rather than looking at, you know, what's the average? What is everybody else doing? What's normal? How do I know if I'm fitting in? I would go back to saying, what do you both need as a couple? Oh, yes. So what's not what is the number? What is your number? What makes you happy? Where do you feel most comfortable? Mm. And it, you know, it goes back to just what you were saying there about looking at what's my desire, what's my want and what's my need mm -hmm. and going internally and forgetting about that even anybody else has sex outside of your own relationship. Mm -hmm. What would be like a centering thought or a centering activity that could bring you into that space where you're open and aware of what you need and what your partnership needs? I think there's a couple of things, isn't there? So one is something that you can do by yourself. So, you know, we're big advocates in kind of the coaching world of, you know, you don't need to change everybody for your situation or your relationship to change. And actually, a lot of the time when you focus on yourself, then you'll you'll impact a whole lot more than that because of the ripple effect and, um, and the way that energy attracts energy. Mm. If we focus just on ourselves, what can we do? I would say if that thought's coming up, so the formal thought that everyone mm. out there is just having rampant sex and it's, you know, they're all kind of tied up in some red room and, <laughs> and I'm really dull and boring because I'm not <laughs> um, and I haven't had sex for three months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if that's the thought that's going through your mind, I would really just either take a walk somewhere, like get in a totally different environment or maybe kind of go somewhere that where it's quite not, totally pitch black but somewhere that's mm. you know you can kind of block out all other sensory white noise yeah just so you've got like a total calmness a total stillness mm. almost like being in a really calm pod you know really close your eyes and really just center down and if you think about what does sex mean for me think about when when was I at my happiest sexually mm. and what is it right now that's stopping me from feeling those desires that I would normally have mm. and that can be that's across the spectrum of your sexuality that's the sexuality that you enjoy by yourself the sexuality that you enjoy in partnership yeah the sensuality of a beautiful latte and a gorgeous little scone or a mountain air mm. so everything sensuality and sexuality like all the senses yeah when we feel like we're not being satisfied sexually, we tend to look to our partner and blame them for either quality or quantity not being enough. Yeah. Is there something that is not fulfilling you in the way that you're connecting because you've stopped talking about your deep desires? What makes you happy? What turns you on? When's the last time that you and your partner have really talked about this? Or is it not connected to sex at all? Oh, go on. So is it that you're not, you don't feel connected at all to your partner? Mm. And often we kind of think, well, sex is the, is one of those indicators that things aren't right in the relationship. But often the sex, the impact of the thing that's led up to not having sex is something entirely different. Mm. So it is the fact that actually we no longer, I no longer feel like we share the same interests or dreams or aspirations or I, we no longer have fun together we don't have a conversation we don't we don't just spend time doing nothing uh, we don't have day nights anymore we don't go for a walk everything's become really transactional mm. in the relationship so there could be a whole host of things that have led up to that point to then where you're then starting to question your your sex life and then you start to compare it to other people and then you start to feel inferior like I'm not mm. good enough and it goes 
back in this big massive horrible loop that then goes on and and it's trying to break that loop to say what is underneath it because there's always something else below that surface line yeah and there's an interesting thing there that you raise about um, quantity over quality. So like, which would you prefer? Do you want sex every week on a Saturday night because it's booked in and that's what you do? Mm. Or do you want something that is real quality where there's some depth to it and there's a real connection there, but you only need to have that once a month? Yeah. Like, which would you pick? That's a really good question. I think that one feeds into the other. Mm. I think that if you are on a scheduled like if you've got an egg timer that goes off and you have sex, I think that that's going to erode quality. And that may, that may also affect quantity because frankly yeah. speaking, it's not thrilling anybody to sort of do the same mechanical thing all the time. Yeah. But if you find yourself, you know, even once a month having a deeply connected sexual encounter with your partner, that will probably fuel quantity. Yeah. Because it feels good and you may want a bit more of it. And there's nothing worse than just a quick wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, roll over yeah. and was that it? Although I do have to say that there's something quite lovely about a quick wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, when there's a spice of excitement to it, where you have to go out for dinner and you're like, oh, let's just have a quick shag. And you're like, yeah, but that's when you're both interested. I think mm. when you get, you know, you get couples that are kind of, they're just like, oh, I'm just doing it on Saturday because then if I do it, you won't ask me again <laughs> for the rest of the week. Yes, yes. That's when it's not helpful for anybody, I think. It's true. And I think a lot of us are stuck in that. A lot of folks that I speak with have this fear of, you know, we've got jam-packed weekends. Somehow we have to fit in sex because God forbid, there's this sort of Sunday night like, oh no, I guess if we didn't do it, then we're going to have to wait till next Saturday. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing in all of it is that word fear, isn't it? Mm. Which often isn't reality. So we know that fears aren't reality. The things that the mind has conjured up to put us into a place that sends us into a bit of a spin. It's not, it's very often, you know, fear was there to stop you from getting eaten by lions. And often we don't get eaten by lions anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're scrolling our Facebook feed and um, seeing sexy pictures or Instagram and we're seeing sexy pictures of our yeah. friends and thinking, oh, they must be having a great shag. Yeah. Do you know, I, I don't know if this is definitely true or not, but I did listen to something about this recently, which was about where the only animals that can conjure up that have that sexual erotic thought mm. that goes along with sex rather than um, just it being that kind of very much transactional. Oh. And I think a lot of that is connected with this whole fear of missing out because we can actually imagine whether we'd admit that to other people or not. We can imagine other people, we can imagine their life, we can conjure up kind of, yeah, this is what they're doing, you know, they're like, they have such a great sexy time all of the time, um, that's just who they are. Um, and we can kind of create that, which then helps us to very easily then compare it to kind mm. of our own version of our reality, which again, a lot of that is, isn't strictly true, yeah. the version of reality that we've conjured up. So we're comparing two stories basically that have both been developed in our imagination mm -hmm. and actually none of it might be true. Oh my gosh. We had a couple of friends who were so demonstrative and public about their, the sex toys that they were getting and their sex life and, oh, it's so great. And then they divorced and I learned that actually they were not having sex. It was yeah. all a facade that was, they were building something to help make themselves feel better. So they were talking it up when actually nothing existed. Yeah. But also it doesn't matter, right? It really genuinely doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. So, you know, whether they're bigging it up, whether they're telling the truth or whatever, or mm -hmm. somewhere in between, 
It really doesn't matter because what matters is what's important to you and what's important to your partner. It's true. Well, that certainly prompted a lot of discussion. Mm -hmm. I am very conscious of time though, so I'm going to move us along. Oh yes, please. (laughs) Okay. Keep us on time. So let's move on to the question of the week. Are you ready? I'm ready, strapped in and ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that's the right phrase given what we've just been discussing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't have my handcuffs on if if that's what anybody is wondering. (laughs) I can say that Anna is free to move around whenever she wants. (laughs) Yeah, Sarah, you can see me. (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely not tied up. (laughs) Not tied up at all. It's not one of those podcasts. Although I'm sure they exist, if that was what you were expecting. (laughs) Exactly. So the question for this week, are you ready, Anna? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Why did I not see things going wrong in my relationship? Wow. Okay. I know. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where are we starting? What's coming up for you? Well, I was thinking about this beforehand. Why did I not see things going wrong in my relationship? You know, have you ever ever had like a bad relationship or something's happened, you've had a breakup and then you have a bit of a moan to your friends and your friends go, well, I knew all along it was never going to last. <laughs> yes. And you're like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me that beforehand? Yes. Yes. I remember having a conversation with a friend about this, which was like, there should be some sort of sworn pact that says you'll have a friend's barbecue or a party when you first start going out with somebody and they've got to be honest about what they think. Yes. I mean, obviously it's never going to happen, right? Because people aren't that honest. Yeah. But there should be, I don't know, do you have like a score chart at the end or like, <laughs> or red flag, like gotta be something, Yelp reviews. Right? Yes, Yelp reviews. <laughs> But my question is, is, would you listen? Well, no, you wouldn't. That's why they don't tell you. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Of course you wouldn't listen. Because you're madly in love at that stage. You're like, you're yeah. full of lust and, and there's mm-hmm. no fear of missing out on sex because you're doing it all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're in that stage. You're in the stage of you complete me and yeah. they're exactly like me and yeah. we share all the same things. And why, why haven't I met you sooner? Because you're just amazing. Yeah, my life is now tied up in a pretty bow. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's funny is that I don't think that there was ever a case where a friend says, oh, I knew this all along, where you didn't hear that before from them. Yeah. Every single one of my very poorly chosen relationships, I heard from my friends very regularly. <laughs> and there were some I told you so's at the end. They're like, yeah, we told you. Just took me longer to figure it out. Yeah. So proof then that you don't listen even when you are told. Yeah. Mm. But you know what? When I hear in this question is absolute, like they've been blindsided by... Yeah either a problem in relationship or breakup. I hear from this question that this person thought that the relationship was on good footing. Yes, me too. And how is that possible? We know it's possible. We're coaches. We see this all the time. <laughs> well, it's possible because of the stuff that we talked about before in terms of the story and the fantasy and the um, make-believe that we create that, yeah, this is going to be the best relationship ever and we're going to live happily ever after and I never need anybody else in my life right now. Yeah. And I wonder too, if if one partner has been checking off a lot of the boxes and has been attending to milestones, first we get married, there's a a ring with a certain dollar amount, Mm. uh, then we're going to have kids, we're going to have a mortgage. They've been so busy with the transactional aspect of 
raising a home and a family and keeping up with the Joneses and keeping up appearances that mm. they didn't realize that there was a hole developing in their relationship. Yeah. But what I would say is there's a responsibility on both sides to flag that. So somebody on the other side who's not feeling like their needs are met or feeling connected or has started to question what this relationship is all about, somebody hasn't had that conversation, right? Hmm. I agree with you. There's something in this question about being blindsided. There's something where both parties have not been true to themselves, mm. to each other and to the relationship because otherwise you know. So why didn't I see things going wrong? That means you've either you're not being true or mm. you are aware but you've ignored it and buried it. And the other person is not clearly communicating their needs and their, yeah. and their discomfort with, with the situation. Yeah. So communication breakdown or or perhaps that the relationship never prioritized communication. Or you didn't prioritize each other in a future. Mm. So you never said at the beginning, we're committed. You never really fully committed. Somebody hasn't committed to this, I think. Because if you were committed, then you would have the communication, surely. Mm. Commitment is to communicate deeply, honestly, and sometimes painfully with each other. Yeah. Because you're heading towards a a shared goal a common yeah. goal you want to be together and you're prepared to talk about the tough stuff to make sure that you stay yeah. together no <laughs> you know it's I think because I am a product of a marriage that did not have good communication is I keep looking for workarounds <laughs> <laughs> I keep looking for all the ways that I can kind of make a commitment and make a relationship last without having to communicate <laughs> am I alone in that <laughs> no I don't think you are <laughs> And I, yeah, I identify with the, with the listener who finds this really, really hard. And I, I love that you keep the compass pointing at true north, which is communication. There's no way around it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like communication is really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, there are so many books on, out there about communication. There's so much written about it, spoken about it. There's, you know, mm -hmm. that this is why we've got so many people in therapy and employing lovely coaches like ourselves, mm -hmm. because communication, relationships, commitment, all of it is tough stuff. Yeah. And, and we're not used to tough stuff, right? Yeah. Which is why we want to work around so we don't have to do it. Yeah. Because everything in our popular culture, everything that advertises stuff to us is telling us that it doesn't have to be hard. It's, nope. It can all be easy. You can have whatever you want whenever you want it. You just get your app out. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I wonder, okay, so you have a client that you're speaking with and you hear this. Why didn't I realize that something has gone wrong sooner? What's your approach? I think it sounds to me like there's some shame in that question. Mm. There's like an internal blame, isn't there? There's a, mm. I'm not good enough. I should have seen this coming. Why did I? There's a lot of kind of shame and blame attached to that. Mm. So I'd start with some kind of, well, oh God, there's a million places I want to go, if I'm honest. So what does wrong mean? How wrong are things? You know, things have gone wrong in my relationship. It doesn't mean to say it's the end. So mm. I think that's the first thing is to establish whereabouts are you between fully committed, totally on board, want to be together forever and um, buy matching raincoats mm. or yeah, we're breaking up, we're going to work out who gets the coffee machine. <laughs> so there's somewhere in between on that continuum. So whereabouts do you see yourself as being? How mm. wrong have things gone? Because it might be that actually... There's just more energy attached to that than the reality of what's going on. Mm. So that's kind of one of the things. The other thing that is triggered for me is 
When have you been in this situation before and where is it transporting you back to? I feel like this is a recurrent thing, like that whole thing around, you know, why have I been so stupid again is kind of almost what I'm sensing and hearing. So I think there's a lot about digging deep on that. If the relationship's over, where I would go is then around, well, actually, what can you take forward from this experience? What have you learned about the your relationship with this other person what have you learned about yourself Mm. during that relationship with that other person and how do you want to use that information going forward oh my gosh yeah but it is true that whatever the outcome is if you can strive forward with positivity high energy learnings and even more beautiful self-development to to move you forward and into more positive realms yeah even if it is breakup we coach you how to to get through that in the best possible way yeah Mm. I think there's a step and a stage before that isn't that because when we're in this cycle of blame and shame and I think there's a step before we can move to that you know best foot forward is around that compassion for yourself and mm. really digging deep where does that feeling of, of shame come from mm. and trying to, to work on that to you know identify what that message is trying to protect you or save you from is it that Mm. are you trying to protect yourself from ever getting hurt again by just reliving that experience so that it reminds you not to do this again rather than looking at why am I feeling this way and what you know and recognizing that it's a normal feeling and having some compassion for yourself that you feel that way because we get caught in this cycle of real kind of negativity of our own mind Mm -hmm. so I think I don't know, there's something in that for me, Anna. And I I think it may be that the shame that folks are having, not necessarily only because of the cycle in their own, in their own personal relationships, but it's also you you're carrying the legacy of the relationships of your home of origin. Yeah, in your childhood, a shame of saying, Oh, my gosh, I'm I'm repeating my parents mistakes. You know, I can't do any better than where I came from. Yeah. Oh, I don't deserve any better. Oh, Yeah, that's probably the biggest sticking point. Yeah. I think, you know, the other thing about this question for me is we do go through life where we have a certain filter or rose-tinted glasses Mm. that we're wearing. And so often it can be incredibly painful when something comes at us out of the blue or something Mm. uh, then changes that vision or that view of of the world that we had or our reality that we had. And I think that it can be quite difficult and quite painful to be able to then mm. process. It's a bit like as coaches, we can see things that are going on for other people, but we have the same challenge. We are human yeah. beings. We have similar challenges in our world and we can't see it any clearer than than, yeah. <laughs> than anybody Absolutely. else. So it's when you're really close to something, it is really difficult to fully see what is going on um, and to fully be open to see all of the cues that are being presented it is normal for that to be difficult and and just to be clear for our listeners is that we have coaches we invest in our own personal coaching and i'm as vulnerable in a coaching session as any of my clients mm. are i can't see three feet in front of myself yeah in this question is some pain because this person thought they were enough. This person thought they were doing enough. They were doing all the things that they thought were integral to a relationship. So when they're told that that's not enough and that their relationship is struggling, the problem is it really reinforces these negative messages. Um, And it really puts people back into the spin cycle of, of stories. 
Yeah, I mean, the first stage for me is definitely to take some time out to be kind to yourself mm. and maybe look at some of the things that were right in the relationship. Where did you get mm. happiness? Where did you give happiness? And really start from that place that just starts to kind of dampen down some of those um, negative flames that are, you know, really whipping around this question. I love that, that you said, where did you give happiness? Yeah. Where are the places that you feel proud where you really show up? What are your superpowers in a relationship? Yeah. I think it's important to say, do I feel enough in this relationship? And the only right answer is yes. If you don't feel enough, something needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely just take some time though and be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a starting position. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what a week. <laughs> what a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was so deep. And I feel like we just scratched the surface on that, but yeah, we just see so many people who have the same, who come to us and that's the opening line. Yeah. And so if that's what's going on for you, you're not alone. Yeah. And I think that's one of the challenges with the question, isn't it? Because you really want to have conversation. Like mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation about that. I want to know more. I want to be able to help and I can only help by knowing more and, and really getting that conversation going and, and being able to observe. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully we have helped though with at least shedding a little bit of light on some questions that you can ask yourself and try and understand what else might be going on. You know, I love that you say that because I don't think we've ever really articulated in this podcast we're coaches, we're not Dear Abby. So we're never going to give you advice. And coaching is a dynamic process through which we ask questions, we learn more, and we keep building on that. So in this situation where we're dealing with a very sensitive question in relationship, it kind of feels like we're our our arms are tied behind our back, because just like you mentioned, right? (laughs) Yeah. So from time to time, we feel a little awkward, like, well, we, we want, what's the answer? We want to know more. Let's, <laughs> let's keep going. So as much as possible, we try to base our advice on how we may proceed forward with questions. Yeah. We're always going to feel a little constrained because we, as coaches, all we want to do is coach. Yeah. Connect, help people to find their own answers and their own wisdom. Yeah. And I think going back to that as well, I think the reason why it's you can't just give advice is because it's so unique. Everybody's situation is so unique. And that's why we want more information to mm-hmm. be able to build on it. But, you know, hopefully people obviously have shared these questions and, and hopefully what we do share back does at least provide a starting position. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, that feels like quite a calm note to end on, Anna. How are you feeling right now? Oh, I would say it's like a cigarette after sex, but I would like to say that <laughs> cigarettes are not healthy. <laughs> I guess unless you're smoking with others, <laughs> as, as we have heard, I think anything anything done with social connection and with eye contact seems to be <laughs> seems to trump any of the advice that I give out as a doctor. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, although I do feel like we should have some sort of public health warning on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's probably a few public health warnings that we need, Sarah. We're sort of a menace to society. <laughs> But fun along the way, right? Fun along the way. Yeah, That's what happens when you get a Canadian and a Geordie together. <laughs> Who met in a virtual bar. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Oh, well, that was quite a week. Thank you. I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And as always, I come away with things that I actually put back into my relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially as I'm still, I'm week three uh, being away from my dude and 
again, like it takes a lot of effort when you're away from somebody to actually keep the flames alive. Yeah. And the do say absence makes the heart grow fonder. We're, we're quite fond these days, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, was, I was listening to something else. You know how videos just roll on and this video came up and it was talking about desires um, and it did say that the time that we most appreciate our partners are either when we are separated and we can't we can't physically be connected we start to kind of you know wander in and start to think about all the things that we really love about them or mm. when we're viewing them from a distance and somebody else is is having a conversation with them and, and they're having a really animated conversation or your partner is maybe giving a speech and they look really confident and they're and you kind of you can really feel that glow and pride as you watch them from a mm. from a distance um and they said that they were the two times when you most desired your partner so you're just building up some desire for the future and you're fine Oh, I'm filling up the tank. And isn't that true, actually? And that's that's a big truism for us, is that we really desire each other when we see each other in our own element. Yeah. So when I see him at work, I think, damn, he's a sexy man. <laughs> My God. Woo. When his attention is not on me, but he's doing what he does yeah. best and he's exhibiting his skill, what an aphrodisiac. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about that, but sometimes it's not just lovey-dovey poems and stuff. Sometimes it's allowing the space in the relationship, the space between those two trees, yeah. so that we can actually see the other person, not necessarily paying us attention, but excelling. And just see them for who they are. Mm. Mm. Less stories, more listening, connection, communication, and truth. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to end it, Anna beautiful well thank you sarah thanks for a wonderful podcast week oh so till next week my lovely you know where we're gonna be oh yes <laughs> so that's it for another week of geordie lass and doc sass we hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover if you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time. <laughs>